The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs. And and welcome to Biz Locker Radio, presented by the Business Locker Room, operating at the intersection of sports and business. This is the online show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use today. Looking to improve your business performance? This is the place. Whether you own a business, sell a product, manage a team, or lead a company, this is the show for you. We have experts in sales, marketing, social media, business strategy, leadership, and much, much more. This is Biz Locker Radio, and I am your host, Kelly Riggs. Thanks for joining us. Great to have you on board. You can find us online at bizlockerradio.com. Encourage you to follow me on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. And do like I do, download the podcast on iTunes. Of course, we're live today, 3 p.m. Central, each and every Monday. And uh, you can always find us here live. But do like I do, download the podcast on iTunes and listen on your daily commute. This is show number 43. And the content from our previous shows is uh, just spectacular, and it continues to get better, better, and better every week. By the way, I want to give you a brand new business book absolutely free, and I've got quite a selection from previous guests, some of the cutting-edge business books that are out there. I'm going to give you one free. I'm not going to charge you anything, no shipping, no come-ons, no nothing. All I want you to do is go on iTunes, find the show, search on iTunes for The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs, and leave a rating and review on the show. Write whatever you want about the show. We just want to get people looking at us and get us noticed. Then send me an email, and I'll give you a choice. Whether you're in sales, leadership, business strategy, boy, I've got a selection of great, great books for you. Great show on tap for you today. Just a few moments, we'll be joined by Mr. Kurt Steinhorst. He, of the millennial generation, a guy who's got uh, an attention distraction disorder, at least that's what he calls it. At, uh, you can find him at KurtSteinhorst.com. We're going to talk a lot about distraction and technology and how it impacts the workplace. So he'll be with us in just a few minutes, and that'll be the extent of our show today because Miles Austin, who is always with us, the web tools guy, you can find him at FillTheFunnel.com. He is always uh, my partner on the X's and O's segment here in the locker room, and I think for the third consecutive week, he is out with the flu. I did talk with him by email a little bit today, and he says, finally, finally, after three weeks, 
He's getting a little bit better. Uh, I know he's listening in. Miles, great uh, that you're getting better and looking forward to having you back on the show. I'm kind of lost without you. But each and every week, we look at uh, a brand new productivity tool, something uh, that will, well, I guess our guest today will <laughs> tell us it's going to distract you, but hopefully that's not the case. These are the kinds of tools that make you more productive and help you do your job much more effectively, and Miles is the guy that handles all of that force. Great to have him back next week is what we're looking at, certainly hoping that's the truth. By the way, came across an interesting article anticipating my guest today. I ran across this article on Huffington Post. Uh, Companies are rethinking the open office, and it's about time. I guess, uh, according to the article, a majority of American American workers go to offices with open floor plans. According to the International Facilities Management Association, 70% of workers are working in offices without walls, an enormous amount of interruptions and distractions that uh, make make workers quite a bit less productive. And, And I guess the idea early on was to open things up so that people could collaborate and they could <laughs> they could communicate and all that. Turns out, I was just looking through some of the commentary after the article, and it's uh, it's crazy. People are not not a big fan of the open workplace and the open work environment. Uh, there is still some good evidence that knocking down those barriers is a good thing. Uh, putting workers side by side, reading now from the article, lets them interact more easily and increases their sense of community. Studies show a growing body of research is gradually cementing the idea that open office plans also make it harder to get things done. Overstimulating us, they make us more stressed and more distracted and therefore less productive. I guess in 2011, 2011 rather, uh, there was psychologists, organizational psychologists that reviewed over 100 studies on work environments and found that they increase the frequency of interruptions, reduce your ability to concentrate. You know, I don't need studies for that. I can tell you that's a fact without a study at all. And I'm sure most of you listening in feel exactly the same way. I just found that interesting, though, that uh, right in the middle of bringing Kurt on the show, we would run across something like that. It, it seems that there are a lot of barriers to productivity that exist in the workplace, and unwittingly, uh, it appears that uh, we're just making it quite a bit worse. So, I ran into Kurt Steinhorst at a speaking engagement in San Diego. He and I were both speaking at the same conference and I met him, and uh, we were having breakfast one morning and began to talk about what each other does. And I got really interested in, in what he does do. Again, this is show number 43. It's the war for attention. And my guest is Kurt Steinhorst, and you can find him online at KurtSteinhorst.com. He talks about everyone having always distracted disorder. And uh, Kurt is—he's uh, a Gen Y guy. He's a millennial, and he's—he's he's got quite a quite a body of work behind him already, and doing great things uh, down in the state of Texas. Kurt, it is great to have you on board. Thanks for joining us on BizLocker Radio. Well, thanks for having me, Kelly. I'm excited to be here. You know, there's there's much to learn from you. I, I suspect that you heard uh, some of the uh, article that I was talking about from Huffington Post. That that sounds about right to you, doesn't it? It certainly does. It's it's funny. I was actually speaking to a smaller group of uh, from an organization called YPO two weeks ago, and I said that I thought the open floor concept was one of the things that we would see over the next five to ten years was done away with, and and not be not to be replaced back to the old cube philosophy. But uh, one of the gentlemen in there had actually he was a um, a guy that runs a 
incubator and innovation lab, and he said that they had all this news all over Chicago that they had um, this concept where they had eight employees that were all in this exciting, fun, open room. It made city news, front page of the Chicago Tribune, and he said within six months, four of those people had quit because they just couldn't take it. So it's one of those things that the open floor plan does a lot of things for us. Uh, unfortunately, what it doesn't give us is the chance to be productive and the chance to actually have the space that we need to do our jobs, which um, a lot of people think distraction is the most fun way to, to work, but most of us want to actually feel like we've done something during our day, and, and it just doesn't help. Sure. Yeah. Open floor plans do a lot for us and none of them are good. That's kind of what it sounds like. Kurt Steinhorst is my guest. And again, you can find him at KurtSteinhorst.com. I'm going to spell the last name for you. S-T-E-I-N-H-O-R-S-T.com. And I love your website. In fact, when I got your card, the, the graphic on the card looks exactly like your website. On the website, Kurt has got his finger up like he's saying, hey, hang on a second. And he's looking at his phone and a guy is pointing a pistol at his head. I mean, it is an incredible graphic. It gets your attention right away. Kurt, what was the inspiration for that graphic? I mean, that, that's, that's a bit of genius there. How'd you guys come up with that? You know, the truth is that's actually my grandfather's gun. And I was just trying to think of the, it was me and one other guy who's a good photographer. And, and if you're going to talk about attention and, and the two sides you talk about it, one is how do you, focus in a world that's trying to grab your attention, but the other is how do you actually get people's attention? Uh, a lot of that comes back to making sure that you have the visuals and, and the things that will actually interrupt interrupt people's uh, standard expectations. And so uh, we just uh, brainstormed and took the extra time to come up with some creative ways to do it, and that was the one that we ended up liking the most. Well, it is, it is absolutely captivating. Certainly got my attention when I first saw it. I ran across uh, an image that I wound up using for the graphic for today's show. It's a street sign that says, pay attention while walking. Your Facebook status update can wait. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's That's amazing awesome. that we now put up signs that you know have to do with these kinds of things. You, you talk a lot about um, the war for our attention and distraction. I know you, you go around the country and you, you talk about these things. You have some incredible data points on your website, Kurt. I'd, I'd like you to share some of those. One of the first one that, that grabbed my attention was this, that people work for only, on average, about three minutes before they're interrupted, and it typically takes as much as 23 minutes to get back on task. That one, that one really grabbed me. What, what are some of the others that you share with audiences? Yeah, that's, it's, it's really one of these situations where I think most people are subtly aware of the reality that, that they struggle to focus and that they tend to be um, pushed back towards their technology. But when you actually reveal what the data is saying about what things are, it, just, it shows that this issue is far, far more significant, goes far deeper and is affecting us in far more uh, uh, profound ways than most of us would expect. So, you know, just some of them that I share would be, it really, it affects every part of our lives. So at home, we're spending 60% or 60 of people spend more time connected to their computer than they do with their spouse. Um, wow. 88% of people, almost 9 out of 10 people can't watch TV without having a second device in front of them. Um, do you remember like they used to when I was, I'm a, I'm an 80s kid, I'm 32, and, and when I was a kid, I used to hear that ADD was being caused by being on TV and watching TV. Well, now if you can watch a 30-minute sitcom without pulling up your phone, you're the best we have. 
So wow. it's just a challenge. So that's at home, on the road, 80% of us, when we come to stop signs, pull out our phones. We can't even stop at a stop sign without pulling out our phones. And then when we get to work, you know, you're getting, on average, 230 emails a, a day. Uh, you mentioned the study that's actually out of the University of California at Irvine that this was a study done of over 500 people that on average throughout an entire workday, people were not focused for more than three minutes at a time. That, that any task that they started, the big proposal, the big uh, quarterly, in earn, or quarterly earnings, you name it, they're working on it for three minutes at most. And then uh, self-interrupted was 60% of the time. This is not the person knocking on their door. This is not the person talking. This is their own self-interruption typically results of digital media taking over 20 minutes to get back to that task. So we just, the concept of sustained attention has never been um, something that we've seen more problems and, and less capacity for us to do than we are experiencing today as a result of the way technology has captured our attention. Wow, that's, that's tremendous when you begin to think about the impact. You know, the, <clears throat> the idea has been in the newer generation where technology has been a part of their lives from the, from the jump is that they actually work better with technology. They work better with distractions. We're going to come back on the other side of our first break, and I'm going to ask Kurt about that. We're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to talk about the, the millennial difference. Is there, is there really a millennial difference? I've had the opportunity to have some guests on in the past couple of weeks where we have had uh, people who are millennials or, or manage millennials. We've talked a lot about that, Kurt, and I want to bring you back on the other side and talk about that as well. Again, you're listening to Biz Locker Radio. You can find us online at bizlockerradio.com. I'm Kelly Riggs. I'm your host. We'll be right back on the other side. Stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to the Locker Radio Show. Great to have you on board, produced and directed by 
The Business Locker Room, great to have you with us as we talk to Kurt Steinhorst. By the way, next week's show is going to be remarkable. Uh, we will have your wingman, a trusted partner in business and life, Lieutenant Colonel Rob Waldo Waldman, and uh, he is he is an incredible guy. I cannot wait to have him on the show and talk about what he does. The week after that, my good friend David Newman will be back. He's with Do It Marketing. He's been on the show before, and he is absolutely spectacular. And the shows just get better and better as we go along, including today's Kurt Steinhorst with us, KurtSteinhorst.com. Follow him on Twitter at Kurt Steinhorst. And we're talking about technology and distractions in the workplace. And we sort of kicked around the idea that uh, people can only work just a few minutes before they get an interrupted, Kurt, and then it takes them quite a while to get back on task, according to the research that's been done. But the younger generation sort of lives by this idea that they need multiple devices working and a lot of distraction going on. Is, is that real? Is that made up? Is there some truth? Where, where does the research come down on all this? Yeah, so the, the answer is it's real and it's not good. <laughs> That's the, the short wow. summary. Um, the problem with the way attention works, just to take one step back, is that, that basically the more we practice the art of flipping tasks, of switching between tasks, the more we need it. So attention deficit is an interesting idea that there's certainly evidence, although it's not quite as um, clear as some people seem to like to think, that there's biology involved. You're born with ADD or you're not. But what we know is that you can train yourself to, to focus for more extended periods of time. Meditation is a big way to do that. And then on the other hand, uh, you can train yourself to need more and more stimulus. And, and what we're seeing with people that are younger is that when you've grown up as a native, the digital native is a popular concept uh, in the research world, right. then uh, we've just lived around it so much that we need it more and more. Um, so, yeah, we do need it. The problem is that it runs counter to our capacity to actually get productive work done. Um, the, the idea that you can multitask and that all you need to do is become more comfortable with multitasking, with flipping between different stimulus, and, and you'll be okay, uh, is actually the total opposite. Um, the study out of Stanford, Clifford Nast, showed that people that were practicing intense multitasking, it's actually ironic, they get worse at it the more you do, not better at it. So our perception of it, and in fact, studies will show that people who think they're really good at multitasking are typically the worst. So our perception and reality just aren't aligning. And, and, and the real short of it is when we start multitasking, it costs us in the amount of time it takes us to get our work done. Uh, there's a 40% reduction in the speed that we would normally get tasks done because there's that delay as we flip back and forth and have to reorient where we were. Um, so the, uh, a deduction in terms of the quality of our work, uh, there's a deduction even more uh, in our capacity to remember things. So our creativity goes down because we aren't putting things into our long-term memory storage to be able to reference them and connect new ideas together. And then finally, uh, it actually causes us when we're feeding ourselves with so many different inputs, uh, meaning and connection to why what we're doing, uh, we end up losing because we don't have the space that we need to understand uh, the significance of it. So you have a lot of really frustrated millennials and frustrated digital natives that they aren't achieving what they want in life um, when really I always tell them it's not what you're doing, it's the way that you're doing it that's making you not become aware of the importance of the tasks that you're charged with at that moment. 
Wow, that, I mean, that's incredible information. I mean, Kurt. I mean, I've heard that from so many people. I was actually, I actually chased down an article online that you recommended. Uh, it was entitled "12 Ways to Save Your Multitasking Brain from <laughs> Device Addiction." And the byline, uh, written by an individual named Cheryl Magnus, she wrote, Gadget multitasking is like feeding your brain candy bars incessantly. And I found that to be interesting. She, she references a book by a, a gentleman by the name of Daniel J. Levitin, a book that's called The Organized Mind, Thinking Straight in the Age of Information Overload. And he, like many others, and I don't know if he's quoting research himself or this is primary research he's done, but he says there is no such thing as multitasking. And I've heard that from a number of experts. Yeah, the short of it is that it's, a, it's something that we become accustomed to and it's something that we enjoy. Uh, our brains are actually wired to want to multitask. We're wired to want to be distracted. So when I say multitask, to be clear, I'm not saying juggling two things at the same time, saying the perception that I can do that. Um, we're single-sphered beings is the way that I would put it. That, you know, at this moment, you could be listening to this podcast. You could be driving in the car. You could be paying attention to the email that you just got, maybe the text that your wife sent you or your husband sent you. But you can't do any two of those at the same time. The things that require active mental focus are single-sphered. And when we flip back and forth, that's a function of the fact that it would help us for survival. Uh, we are wired to want to seek new and novel stimulus because the earlier I can see that lion on the horizon, the more likely I'm going to be able to survive it. And so we want to find ourselves flipping because once we've assessed it as not a threat or not a particular source of pleasure, we want to jump to a new thing. And that actually, that jumping that seeking out gives us a mental reward called dopamine in our brains, which is what makes us happy, what makes us have better memories, things like that. Unfortunately, um, we just weren't wired to be able to resist the, uh, the way that technology has eliminated any barrier to something that could give us pleasure at any particular moment. So we feel really good jumping. We feel like we're productive. We feel like we're balancing tasks. It gives us the potential to maybe find a new thing that, uh, a new big, like we get a new email and it could be this huge client that says that they're wanting to do work with us. We have this potential, so we keep flipping. It feels good, but it doesn't actually give us what we want long term. You know, it is remarkable when you think about it because there there is a tremendous sort of satisfaction in, in doing a lot of things at once. But quoting from the book that she references, The Organized Mind, Thinking Straight in the Age of Information Overload. Multitasking, quote, has been found to increase the production of the stress hormone cortisol, as well yeah. as the fight-or-flight hormone adrenaline, which can overstimulate your brain and cause mental fog or scrambled thinking. Multitasking creates, as you referenced, a dopamine addiction feedback loop, effectively rewarding the brain for losing focus and for constantly searching for external simulation. You know, if I'm reading all this right, all of these things that I, I think are making me more productive are actually working exactly against me, and I'm, I'm fighting myself. You nailed it. Yeah, you nailed it. And, and I think the, the hard part is um, the, the great challenge that we have is it feels good. Like you said, it, sure, it gives us cortisol. It raises our cortisol levels. It increases stress. And there's a lot of factors that create that. You know, the never off, never on is a big part of that. Um, the feeling overwhelmed, but but at the simplest moment, it's 60, uh, more than two-thirds of people say that checking Facebook has led to a noticeable drop in mood, but yet we still do it, and that's right. what makes it challenging. And so there's, there's a large number of books that can describe um, in 400 pages of words for distracted people who can't finish 20 pages, 
um, that there's a problem, um, but most people, unfortunately, haven't been able to set up structures and strategies that can help them effectively overcome it. That's the challenge that most of us face today um, because it just feels good. That's that's pretty amazing. He goes on to say, quote, we answer the phone, look up something on the Internet, check our email, send an, a message, and each of these things tweaks the novelty-seeking, reward-seeking centers of the brain, causing a burst of, yeah, this, this this is a good one, endogenous opioids. I have no idea what that means, but he says, all to the detriment of our staying on task. And uh, who would have ever known, you know, all of this time we thought we were just killing it with all of these devices going at one time. That's right. And I hear this a lot. I I think one of the biggest challenges I get, especially when I'm in sales audiences, is this idea that if I were to use some of these strategies that you suggest, which, uh, you know, turning things off for certain periods of the day when you have the capacity to overcome that distraction, which as the day goes along, you have less capacity to do that. You know, there's two systems of attention in your brain. One is the one that uh, Heath Levinson was just referencing, and that's the the bottom up attention, where it's our it's the pleasure centers of our brain. But there's another, and that's our frontal lobe. It allows us to overcome that. But that's a far more energy exhaustive system. So the more tired you are, the less you're going to be capable of focusing. This is why people always are like, man, when I'm tired, I I I find myself exploring the end of the internet. You know, I'm, people think it's because it wants to keep they want to keep uh, themselves up at night. Well, no, it's not that. It's because more and more you're needing that new and novel stimulus because you're lacking it because you just don't have it. So you don't have anything fighting against it. Um, just, a, just a couple of minutes before we go to our next time out, I want to ask you a quick question and see if we can do anything with this. How, how do you feel then about limiting Internet access in the workplace? I know that's a, that's, that's a hot topic. Uh, it's an explosive topic in a lot of companies that I deal with because a lot of companies turn off those kinds of things. You can't check Facebook. You can't shop online. You can't do those kinds of things. How does your work and your research intersect with that idea? You know, it's funny. I, there's, a, there's a few factors there uh, that make me answer the question, it depends. Um, okay. I, so I don't feel like it's a boss's job to be your best friend. And I, I think that one of the challenges is that when people – hear that you shouldn't turn off the internet, the argument goes like this. Well, they can check it on their phone. Uh, that's pretty, that's definitely true. They can check it on their phone. And two, um, they, they're going to, they won't feel trusted. Autonomy is a big driver. Read Dan Pink's book on drive, you know, that we need to be able to trust our people. Um, so in that sense, I do understand why there's some negative signals that go off related to these programs. Here's the simple problem. The biggest reason that people can't get away from this is that there's no obstacle to it. So any obstacle that's put in the in play is something that will keep people from being as distracted. Um, so what I would say is I think that for periods of time or turning off programs that are sources of distraction, um, when put in the context of we're all on the same team and we're wanting to work towards something and the emotional engagement is already there, it's very powerful and a good thing. So I do advocate for setting boundaries up high enough. I also will say I work with a lot of people that their organization isn't the problem. They've got to learn to focus, which means you also need to think about other strategies for self-regulating. Um, I have a program called Freedom. It turns off the Internet for, uh, I do two, at minimum, two focused 40 periods every morning. So I do 40 minutes of turned off the Internet working on a project. So um, my advice to people is uh, if, if the organization doesn't do it for you, 
you should consider doing it for yourself if you really care about being successful. Outstanding. You're listening to BizLocker Radio. My guest is Kurt Steinhorst. We're going to take our second time out. When we come back on the other side of the break, Kurt shares some very powerful things with his audiences as he's just done with us. But we're going to talk about the single most powerful and effective way that you can dramatically improve your work performance. And also we're going to talk about the distracted customer. If you're a salesperson, your customers are dealing with the same issues. We'll talk about how to deal with those things as well. It's BizLocker Radio. I'm your host, Kelly Riggs. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, great to have you back on Biz Locker Radio. Find us online, by the way, bizlockerradio.com. Much more information about the show, links to our guests, our past shows, previews of what's coming up. Next week, Rob Waldo Waldman, your wingman. And you can find him at yourwingman.com. The week after that, David Newman, and much more coming down the road as well. Operating at the intersection of sports and business. It is the show with compelling interviews and useful content that you can use to improve your business today. Kurt Steinhorst is joining me here in the business locker room. We're talking about distraction and technology in the workplace. Turns out it uh, maybe is a bigger deal than you thought. Those people that are multitaskers claim to be and act like they're getting a lot of things done, according to Kurt, uh, may be just fooling themselves Kurt, uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, uh, you often talk about the single most powerful and effective way to dramatically improve workplace performance. I've been waiting for this one. What do you got for us? Awesome. This is going to be fun. So we call this going AWOL, absent without official leave. And the reason we joke about it, we use that term, is it's almost like a play on words because the expectations culturally have become so high in terms of your availability, that you would be always on email, always on a phone, always available by text, that what happens is uh, you find yourselves constantly inundated at every single angle, like that people can't, you never have the capacity to get focused work done. So we call it going AWOL. 
meaning creating no phone, no internet, no technology zones. There's two components that are really key for this. One is it needs to be context-specific, meaning it needs to be in a specific location. Um, our, our brains were wired to, to have a single use for each place, meaning you know, we all wear a lot of different hats. We're, I'm dad, I'm a husband, I'm an, an entrepreneur starting a business, I'm a distraction expert, I speak. I have all these different roles that I have, and really, I'm best when I go to the field and I work. I go home, I spend time with my family, I go to the bedroom, I go to bed. Um, and so, number one is you want to create a space for this, uh, that nothing else happens in that space. And then, two, it needs to be for a certain period of time. Look, I am, I am a product of Gen Y. I'm a digital native. I am not going to be off my phone for eight hours. It's not happening. Uh, and, but, but I can do it for two 40-minute periods in the morning. And so I have my no-phone zones. I go AWOL twice in the morning. And then actually my wife and I, we have a family component as well. And then I also have a personal time throughout the day that I create no phone zone. So it's permission to go AWOL every day and a commitment to it, location and time. You know, that's really interesting you talk about that because my, my wife, uh, she is adamant about uh, no, no phones, no texting and those kinds of things in certain periods of time with family. So if we're on vacation, if we're out to eat, if we're with kids, our kids, you know, those kinds of things, uh, she, she will tell the kids, this is a no text zone or no phone zone, that kind of thing. And yet they sort of, you know, they, I sort of fight it, they sort of fight it, uh, but, but it is so much different when you don't have those things with you and you have the ability to concentrate. So I can see it uh, applying in the workplace quite easily. The question is, what in, in your experience, where is that no phone zone? If it's a specific location, do you actually get up and leave your office and go set something up in a different place? Is that how it works? Yeah, it depends on the, it depends on the office. So I have a different spot in my office I actually use, but that's because I have my own office and I get to set this up. Um, I also, the, so if you're in a more open office concept, fighting for quiet rooms is really critical. Um, the bigger thing that I would say is, is actually taking a step back when we think about location specific is, is remaking sacred the office space. Um, I would almost say think of the space that you're doing most of your work in as the focus work of your day. And if you get the personal text, if you get the personal things or even work emails, things like that, take those to another spot and do those at another spot. But honestly, that's the hard part is it just depends on the organization, depends on the individual, what's available. But what I do know is that every single person can find somewhere that they can choose to unplug the active barrage of technology that comes at them and in in attempt to get work done. And by finding a spot, what they're doing is they're sealing in the habit that help make that possible rather than fighting it anew every single day. It works so very well, Kurt, with an idea that I create when I'm, when I'm working with executives and working on leadership activities. One of the big challenges with leaders is they don't take the time to be leaders to actually do those activities that are designed for and almost exclusively in, in the domain of leadership, you know, people development, communication, planning, and strategy, and those kinds of things. So I ask them to carve out time. Now I realize I need to ask them to carve out time and eliminate the digital distraction as well, because the reality is, even though they may have set that time aside, they could easily not get anything done. If I'm if I'm hearing what you're saying, 
Yeah, yeah. I think, in fact, the book that I'm working on, we're tentatively calling Cave Dwellers. And the argument that we're placing with a, with a lot of research behind it is that the most valuable employee, the most valuable commodity, the most valuable asset in an organization is the person who has the capacity to pull away and actually um, recreate the focused work environment that allows for creativity, it allows for leadership, it allows for the things that really in our work environment we've never needed more. It's an ironic thing that we live in the world that most people, our jobs are in the thinking business. You know, if we sit by a desk, we are paid to think in some capacity, mm-hmm. and yet our environment that we've created actually has made it never more difficult to think at all. And so uh, people say on an active day-to-day basis, they seem to think that the more emails that they send out and the more correspondence is almost evidence of productivity. But truly, when you go to the, when you pull back, the people with the best ideas are going to be the ones that are most successful. So I'll close this little thing up by saying, you know, if you're a leader in a world where all of your employees have no time to even consider why what they're doing matters, when 70% of the workforce is disengaged, your ability to take the time to pull back and think, how do I adequately and properly communicate, motivate, and engage my team? There's nothing more important that you're going to do all day. Yeah, that's great stuff. Kurt Steinhorst at KurtSteinhorst.com. Follow him on Twitter at Kurt Steinhorst. I want to encourage you to do that. A lot of great reading on his website. You, you suggest that organizations contribute to their own distraction. And, and I suspect that we've maybe talked around that a little bit in, in, in some of the conversation we've already had. But what do you have in mind when you say that? Yeah, I think the simplest analogy is it's almost like government uh, in that everyone agrees that uh, the, the amount of spending is out of control. And that's not a political statement. It's everyone thinks in some way spending is out of control, but no one thinks that they're responsible for it. And no one ever wants to cut the part that is their thing. And, and in organizations, what we see is Everyone complains about email load, and they complain about the hours they get, but leaders in particular start to contribute to that because they send the email at midnight, and they set the standard for the rest of their organization to never be off and to be working at home, which is really bad for attention because it makes you distracted. Basically, you're wearing multiple hats in every location. Uh, They're aware of it, but then if you don't respond to an email within four minutes, all of a sudden what you're doing is, is not letting the team be able to work as fast as they need to work. And in, in doing so, the hidden cost is that every person there is constantly checking and finding themselves not finishing the task. So if you actually believe the research uh, that you're going to work faster and better, that the quality of those emails that you send to the client is going to be stronger, then you have to shift the expectations that the organizations have when it comes to the way that they expect communication to occur within their organizations. How, how does a leader do that, Kurt? Uh, you know, there, there's a few things. Number one is they have to lead. They have to do it. Um, there's a, there are strategies like, hey, because I, 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 I'm this way too. I uh, get some work in, in the evening. But you can actually put things in the outbox and not have them sent to the next morning. Right. Yeah, I'm just trying to get it off my plate. It's, it's totally counterproductive because what you've just done is put it on someone else's plate. So the, the first one is they have to change their behavior and they have to set up the barriers themselves so that there's an expectation that people can't reach them all the time. Um, the second big one is actually setting institutional policy. I was working with a, 
of actually I was it was in a president's association event and one of the presidents came up to me and they do software development and realized his software developers they're in front of the computer all day but they were struggling like crazy with emails so he literally institutionally that entire division three hours from nine to twelve the email doesn't go on and he just knew that if it was important enough they could make a phone call but it eliminated the vast majority of the noise so one is personally two is um, setting policies that commit to that. And then the last one I would say is communicating the value, that we actually want you for your best thinking. We don't just want you for your fastest response. Hmm. That's 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 a critical point. I, it makes me think as you're talking that uh, especially even the younger generation, the millennials and the, and the younger side of millennials, they've really gravitated hard towards texting now. And, and texting is the new email, I guess, was perhaps the way to say it. And, and it's even more instantaneous. I, I suspect that just makes the problem worse. Yeah. any the, You know, it's a barrier issue. Uh, when I was, I, I tell this when I speak, but when I was a kid, I would go to camp every summer. And it's weird. I would gather all these addresses and tell all my friends I was going to send them a message. But the amount of effort and the time it took ended up that I would only send one message to one person for an entire month. And it was all about the barriers. When there are barriers that have been resurrected, priorities are made clear. And ultimately, my priority was that one girl I had a crush on. It was not all the rest of my friends. They could wait for another day. And so, <laughs> it, it, so you put, you know, you, if you have no barriers, and technology is designed to eliminate all barriers, um, when you allow that to, insul- uh, to infiltrate your workspace, what you have to realize is that you're going to deal with a world that doesn't have any priorities as they approach you. It's really interesting, too, because the fact is you don't even have to read the message or the text. Just the fact that you know you got it and you begin to assume that you know what it's about and it's already infecting your mind and your thought process uh, before you before you've even read anything. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, I, it is it's crazy when we think about the fact that all of these tools have been designed to make us communicate more effectively, and the evidence seems to indicate very clearly that's not true, and the added benefit or the added challenge is it has made us less productive in the process. I'm talking with Kurt Steinhorst. Fascinating conversation. We're going to take our final time out. When we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about this whole idea of distraction from the perspective of a salesperson and a client. We'll talk about the distracted customer. How do you reach them when they're dealing with the same kinds of issues exactly that we've been talking about here? I'm Kelly Riggs. I'm your host, and you're listening to Biz Locker Radio on Voice America. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Hi, this is Jeff Shore, author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. More great business ideas straight ahead in the business locker room. Biz Locker Radio brought to you by Biz Locker, Business Locker Room. You know, it's interesting as we began to rebrand, it's all, almost becomes difficult to break old habits. We used to call the show the Business Locker Room. Now it's Biz Locker Radio and it's produced by the Business Locker Room. Great to have you on board with us. And uh, as you've heard some of our rejoins, these people are a part of the coaching staff here in the Business Locker Room. Jeff Shore, John Spence, and a number of others. Stephen Gaffney last week. And a, a number of the people that we bring on to the show and want to encourage you to jump on bizlockerroom.com and subscribe to the blog post because you've got eight world-class experts contributing material that will definitely impact your performance. Uh, and, and they are often a part of Biz Locker Radio as well. Great to have you with us. My guest as we uh, close out the show today is Kurt Steinhorse. And by the way, I mentioned at the top of the hour that Miles Austin, who is often with us in the last segment of the show, the X's and O's segment, where we talk about online digital tools and productivity tools and those kinds of things, he has been out for three weeks now with the flu, and I'm led to believe that he's uh, on the road to recovery finally. Thought maybe we'd see him this week. He says he's uh, not quite there, but he's getting close. And of course, the X's and O's segment is always brought to you by 4D Sales, our good friends at 4D Sales, who have got one of the great productivity tools out there. Miles and I are both big, big fans of that product, a tablet-based sales tool that allows salespeople to present information anywhere in an interactive and visually appealing way. It, it, it's, it's one of the best tools that I've seen because in today's workplace, you have so many different things to present. It can, you can have a PDF of a brochure or a price list or something like that. You can have a slide deck, web pages, videos, all different kinds of things. And what 4D Sales allows you to do is put all of those things together and use them in a visually compelling way. I, I guarantee you, if we'd have had that tool a couple of decades ago, it would have made an enormous difference. Instead, we had to carry around big briefcases of stuff, and it was just it was just a disaster. You never knew if you had the latest uh, brochures, the latest, latest price list. 4D Sales makes all of that go away. Thanks to Brian Carpenter and the crew over at 4D Sales. Find them online at 4dsales.com. I guarantee you, you will find a visit to their website worth your time. Kurt Steinhorst, we continue our conversation, and uh, we spent some time talking about ways in which uh, workplaces create distractions for their people, Kurt, and you talk a lot about the distracted customer. What, what is a distracted customer exactly? The distracted customer is, is someone who's living in the results of the information-saturated environment we're in. So it's someone who is receiving the 230 emails a day that is consuming 
300% more information on a daily basis than the average person in 1960. It's the person that's uh, reviewing the 500 million tweets that are going out every day. So you're just talking about someone who is um, constantly inundated at every stage and in every step of their life, which you know, makes selling to them very different than it's ever been uh, because most of us still think that we're living in an information economy. Right. And, there, and there's this amazing uh, debate that's been going on now for some time, and I've been involved in it from a number of perspectives and have kept up with others who are in that debate. And that is, has all of this technology sort of negated the, the need for, for salespeople? My, my contention is, with all of the things coming at them at once, what they need more than ever is a very skilled salesperson to help them sort through all of that nonsense. You know, the argument on the other side is, well, they're much further down the road in the buying cycle when they finally meet you. A lot of times they're doing their homework online. And I don't suggest that that's not true. But if they're doing their own homework, along with all of the other parts of the job that they have to do, I suspect all of that information is just making it more difficult in some ways, at least, Kurt. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I, it's funny. I think that there was a there was a five to ten year period at most where the internet created this perception that that we didn't need salespeople to the point that I was a I was an agent as my first job actually in the public speaking sector and the internet completely changed that you could be working with someone for years and then uh, they hear that they can Google someone's name and and now they're going to work with someone else but now that the internet has so much noise the likelihood of someone uh, being able to uh, to filter through it. I, I mean, try even, I, I have to go through headsets about once a month because I destroy them. And every time I would decide if I'm going to get a new headset, I spend about five minutes going through the 4,000 different headset options just on Amazon and then <laughs> want to throw my computer and get the one, and I end up getting the one that I've had the last three rounds. <laughs> you know, it, it's. I have to laugh because uh, it, it, it seems like every time I talk to my son, uh, he, he's come across something new and better and faster and, you know, all these kinds of things. And you realize that, that, that we're just being inundated with all of these these things at once in, in every aspect of our lives. So there, there is a tremendous amount of noise. So if I'm a salesperson, and I'm trying to get to that person. I mean, the first thing I'm wondering is, are they even getting my emails? Because they probably have 400 in their box today. What, what, what do you suggest, Kurt? How, how, do I, how do I make that process go a little bit more in my favor as a salesperson? Yeah, so I think the, the, the put, it, put it as simply as possible is that your role is not what it used to be. Um, you know, there's a tendency to say that, like, you want to hold the information back and, and act like that you... Um, even the concept that your product is the only one or the very best among all of them, um, you were really not looking like the chances of them being capable, incapable of finding alternatives just don't, that's just not how it is anymore. Um, and so the salespeople that have success are the people that become trusted advocates that, that, that this person comes to believe that you are looking out for them and that you are eliminating the mind share needed to make this buying decision, and they can trust that you're going to do right by them. So it's a shift from just trying to act like you have this one thing to being the one that can help navigate the noise for them. Um, now the question becomes, how do you do that? Um, there's a few things. Uh, first is we have to live in a reality that's that they're getting way too much information. So mm -hmm. what types of information can you send them 
that requires the least amount of uh, the least amount of processing and thinking, meaning that that really long email that you've written uh, that gives the 14 reasons to buy from you and has 33 different references and is six pages long um, is officially entered their spam box and they're never going to read it. Right. How do you shorten the um, how do you shorten the emails, shorten the text to be as quick and as helpful as possible with short form conditions? I, I will make one little side note, and then I'll close it off with that, this related to this section, which is um, there's a lot of noise about video. Uh, video is wonderful, but it actually requires a lot of attention. And the newest research would actually say that video-related sales things are not as effective as um, other mediums. So, um, Wow, you're, you're going to... You're going to blow up the internet with that. I mean, everybody's going video now. I know, because they're all two years old. So I'm sorry about that, guys. Um, the last thing I would say is this. Is huh. that, um, they're in a, your customer's in a state of attention arrest. They're inundated. So you have, to, you have to interrupt their attention. So shock them. Surprise them. Uh, call them at the wrong time. Send them a letter when people are all sending them emails. Like, how do you spend the extra space necessary to think, how do I actually get their attention? I have a buddy that sends cut so knives to people um, and says, would you carve out five minutes of your time? He spends $150, but he gets meetings that no one else gets. So think, right. how do you shock them? Well, contrary to what you might have just mentioned about video, is there a sense in which you can, you can do interruption or distraction with, with a very short introductory video of some kind that doesn't blather on and on about how great we are, but that, you know, in some innovative way gets people's attention? Is that a possibility? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt I send videos, so I, I don't mean that video is a bad thing. What I would say about video is it better be really good and it better be really short. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. That's, it, it, it better be compelling, be right? Yeah. yeah, it better be about your customer or don't do it. Just uh, don't spend the time and money that it takes unless you're going to make it good and short. Hey, just a fantastic conversation with Kurt Steinhorst. Again, that last name is S-T-E-I-N-H-O-R-S-T, KurtSteinhorst.com. Follow him on Twitter at Kurt Steinhorst. In, increase your noise and distraction from Mr. Steinhorst. <laughs> I, I think it'll be well worth it. Kurt, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for taking out some of your time and joining us here on BizLocker Radio. It's my pleasure. Very good. All right, Dell. That's going to wrap up our show today. Special thanks to uh, Justin Jackman, our engineer. He's done a great job of keeping us online after a little bit of technical glitch to get started. Our producer, Brandy Jackson. Appreciate Voice America and all the work that they do. want to remind you, next week, great show coming. Rob Waldo Waldman, yourwingman.com. Also, Mark Roberts will join me, Chief Revenue Officer from HubSpot. Special announcement coming from him. He's going to do it right here on this show. You're going to want to tune in. Special thanks to Kurt and our best wishes to Miles Austin. As, uh, again, he misses out this week, the X's and O's segment. I suspect he'll be back next week, and we'll do the X's and O's segment. Special thanks to 4dsales.com for sponsoring us there. I'm Kelly Riggs. I'm your host. It's been a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week right here on Biz Locker Radio. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business-building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of The Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.